Well, uh, good evening. It's uh, about 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I don't think we need to go into yet another mass shooting in America, but, uh, of course, the data just keeps showing that this situation gets worse. And I guess uh, moments of silence. I don't know. Lifetime of inaction is what this is all about. Moments of silence are for inner thought. And uh, I think there's just too much inner thought and not enough action. And Donald Trump's absurd comments on Friday are pretty repulsive. I'll do everything. Yeah, well, he has already backed away from his... uh boastful threats against fellow Republicans that you guys are scared of the NRA, but I'm not scared of the NRA. And then, of course, he capitulates to their routine demands. Um, I'm yeah. actually going to blame a little bit of this shooting on Ted Cruz, um, who spoke at the NRA's big national convention as a couple of weeks Trump. ago, as did, as did Trump with Pence standing right there in his, you know, mindless zombie smile and nod mode that he's mastered. So mannequin and wax-like uh, to proficiency. But uh, Ted Cruz's presentation was all about celebrating the gun culture of Texas uh, while describing the horrific events of the shooting at, shooting at the church. Uh, he talked about all oh, the people who ran from down the street with guns and they were guns ablazing and the cops showed up with guns ablazing and couple of random guys in a truck drove by with guns ablazing, and it was all great Texas gun culture that is just so shocking in the face of the savage violence that people are continued to expect to endure, the survivors, the anxiety, the grief. You know, you go to church, you go to school. You shouldn't have to be in, like, combat situation mode psychologically mm -hmm. to endure the routine's of the workaday world. And I'd like to point out that this Unbelievable. is the third mass shooting at a school where there has been an armed officer. So even all the discussion about arming teachers is, I mean, it's ludicrous. It's well, like and all the these armed to, Texans yeah. could not stop it, did not stop it. The only, the only way an armed teacher would stop something is a sort of a preemptive strike. Like, oh, that guy's got a trench coat. He might have a gun. Why don't I kill him first? And that's what will happen if we yeah. start arming teachers. That there, there will be those sort of, whoa, somebody, you know, I'm jumpy. I'm, I'm nervous. Somebody pulled on me. Yeah, it's an, I absurd, uh, it's an absurd proposition. I've been reading a very interesting book that I failed to bring in. I picked up the wrong book when I left my house. Uh, about the history of the Second Amendment, so I'll talk a little bit about that next week. But I found it interesting that just yesterday in the uh, Sunday New York Times, they have a a little anniversary um, section on page two. And uh, this book goes into the history of how the NRA actually has been in this sort of attack mode politically uh, since the 1960s. Uh, and just very briefly... Chris Dodd's father, uh, I think his name was Tom Dodd. He was the senator from Connecticut before Chris Dodd. Chris Dodd is best known for Dodd-Frank, and he briefly ran for president uh, a number of years back. He actually uh, proposed a, a ban on mail-order rifles in response to the John F. Kennedy killing. 
And this is what leapt the NRA into action to attack gun control bills. And ever since then, and particularly 1977's uh, NRA convention in Cincinnati, Ohio, was when the NRA went on serious offense. And they began working on these legislative uh, measures in states all over the country so that, for instance, uh, now we have uh, preemption laws in 45 states in response to the fact that a little village in uh, Illinois outside Chicago called Morton Grove passed a gun ordinance that prohibited guns from being in the town, period. Uh, this law, by the way, was upheld by the uh, by the uh, circuit appeals court involved in that uh, Illinois district. And at the time, we only have five states now that actually have uh, state laws that 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 can do something about this violence. Connecticut, ironically, of course, is one of them, and we know why that happened. We, oh. It's it's the it's the elementary children that were killed. Sandy Hook. Yeah. Sandy, and it's, it's and, and these are just terrible events. But look at what's happened in in the United States in just the last six months. The greatest mass shooting. In modern American history at a country and western show out in Vegas. The greatest killing in a church in Texas. Uh, two high school mass shootings with double-figure casualty numbers. And yet nothing happens. We put up our hands and we have a moment of silence and we have prayer. And then we have politicians like Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, that claims that this is about culture. This is about America's failure to value life, was how he put it. And, of course... It, well, he's right to the extent that nobody will do anything to curb the gun violence. Sure. And, of course, it turns out that Of course, this, that's not what he means. This is a very religious town. Uh, apparently, they, uh, they would have prayers uh, before the football games on Friday... Uh, this is Texas, after all. Uh, versions of school prayer, apparently, uh, were here and there. Very religious town. Uh, this and, and even this this dude is is from allegedly a Greek Orthodox uh, church in the area, uh, which is kind of odd. You wouldn't think there'd be a lot of uh, Greek Orthodox uh, followers in Santa Fe, Texas. Talk about uh, your mixed cultural uh, metaphors. That would be it. So I'm not too sure what this guy's talking about. He doesn't mention the, the, the culture of American violence where we export arms all over the mm. globe, where we sponsored death squads in Central America in the 1980s, and now we have an immigration problem, so to speak, uh, that, that uh, you know, Attorney General Jeffrey Sessions is hard at work uh, separating families because uh, he's got a theory about the asylum laws. But as part of this ongoing uh, expansion of gun rights all over America, of course, we have stand-your-ground laws. Yep. And this is one of the other reasons there's been a massive increase in shootings. Uh, stand-your-ground laws. They have documentation about this. Well, anyway, on the 20th of May, which was yesterday, uh, back in 1986... Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan, signed legislation to weaken the 1968 Gun Control Act. Wide, it was wide-ranging, and his statement was, it ends the ban 
on sales of rifles and other long guns by dealers in one state to customers in another. And it gives gun owners the rights to transport unloaded weapons across state lines if strict controls are followed, among other changes. Now, there was a 1968 gun act that did eventually pass. And one of the amazing ironies is that the Judiciary Committee defeated the Dodd Bill on the 4th of April, 1968, in the afternoon. Later that night, Martin Luther King died in Memphis. And then a Shot to death. Two, two months yeah. later, Bobby Kennedy yep. is murdered in, Dallas, in uh, uh, Los Angeles. So there finally was action. How ironic that Charlton Heston, oddly enough, actually was on the side of gun control. That, that they realized, okay, we, Martin Luther King, the Kennedy brothers, we have to have some measure. And the Dodd measure, by the way, all it did was prohibit uh, mail order uh, rifles from being sold. This is because Oswald used an alias to buy a rifle uh, through the mail. Through the mail, through the American Rifleman uh, magazine, that was basically the the publication that the NRA uh, sponsored. So this is what's been going on in our country for the last uh, forty years, fifty years. We've been loosening the gun laws. <laughs> And we have this absurd theory that, quote, more guns means less crime. Huh? It's incredible. And, of course, uh, Donald Trump, he took the uh, the occasion down in Dallas a couple of weeks ago when he gave one of those uh, raw meat speeches to the NRA to claim that London, England has had more stabbings than New York, which proves that they need guns over there. <laughs> and, of course, in, in London, by the way, that the, the police don't even have guns. Right. They got nightsticks. All you got to do is watch Monty Python. Those bobbies with their nightsticks and funny hats keep the peace pretty well. And, we, you know, we're not going to belittle uh, stabbings because people do get stabbed. There was a mass stabbing at a Chinese school a couple, couple of months ago. 20 kids stabbed. Nobody died, though. Zero deaths. You okay. do have a somewhat better fighting chance yes. uh, against so. a guy with a knife. What's interesting and I think noteworthy to point out that at the most recent uh, big NRA convention, no guns allowed right inside the room. But gee willikers, I thought we are all the good guys here. You know, good guys with guns will prevent bad guys from guns from doing bad things to good people without guns. But... And they're all good guys, right? <laughs> right. Donald so, Trump says so. This is everybody's uh, a good guy in his kind book. of a bizarre little uh, hypocritic, double, hypocritical uh, double standard. But uh, I also want to point out that uh, for all the gun rights advocates who uh, want to emphasize these mass shootings as a mental illness, you know, is the primary reason. You know, that's that's how we should approach these. At what point does the deeply rooted paranoia of an individual to feel the need to cloak themselves in as many guns as possible to feel safe in the world. Isn't that already itself kind of a mental illness? Indeed. So, and of course, you know, this is going to emerge as a, as a failed uh, murder suicide. Uh, obviously we have very few facts uh, at this point. It sounds like the, the young man in question 
stole the guns from his father or borrowed the guns. They're shocked that this happened. Um, but apparently, of course, he's got a uh, robust uh, profile on social media that shows that he was troubled, suicidal, and uh, pretty much gave out indications that he might do something like this. Well, of course, for all the kids at the uh, Parkland School in Florida who became sort of media sensations because of their immediate outspoken uh, response to the shooting at their own school, uh, their organization and participation in the pretty large-scale march in Washington. A lot of those kids are seniors. It's almost the end of the school year. I mean, the exhaustion level from first surviving the ordeal, witnessing your friends get shot down as though you were in an alley in Iraq or something, and then all the media presser, pressure uh, that was put on them, a lot of you know really negative trolling responses to uh, their media presence. It's too much to expect the kids of the schools to continuously rise up to meet the challenge of Congress's complete inactivity. And again, this year's uh, high school seniors, they've only got about a week left of school. So uh -huh. I don't blame them for just saying, get me out of here. At least they're out of that entrapped setting where they're vulnerable. Of course, we're all vulnerable at any theater church or, you know, <laughs> professional building you might go to. But if I were a junior in high school, I'd already be thinking about, let's organize regular walkouts next year. Yeah, well, that's Screw actually this. been proposed. Screw this. If they can't fix it, why should I come here and worry about my geometry test or my biology exam or my Jeffrey Chaucer reading assignment when I'm worried about getting gunned down in the stairwell? And speaking of trolling, of course, Alex Jones, a uh, Texan... Uh, hothead moron that's on uh, hate radio, <laughs> uh, you know, he's the one that came up with this bizarre theory that these kids from Florida were, quote, paid actors. Oh, actors, right. Like, what? I mean, it, it just gets surreal. They look for everything they can. Uh, it's, it's bizarre, too, that a Fox News commentator in response to the uh, terrible events in Las Vegas, and we're talking about an outdoor concert. Mm. We're talking about 58 people dead, hundreds of injuries. Um, we still don't know the motive of this, of this bizarre gunman Braddock, but he actually suggested that the gunman had to be a, quote, liberal because he attacked the country and western show. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? All kinds of people love country western music. Um... It doesn't have anything to do with liberal and conservative. I, I, in fact, I'm, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm willing to bet liberals buy more country, Western music than conservatives. Uh, I'm sure that radio uh, down in Nashville is uh, disproportionately conservative listenership since conservative corporations own. Bought up most of those small stations, right? They own virtually the whole AM dial. Um, yeah. That's why you can hear uh, Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh around the clock on many urban AM stations. Uh, and, of course, uh, we don't mean to stereotype too much, but guys in pickups, they love that stuff. Alex Jones. You know, what, what's the guy's name? Chris Hogg? He's got the weird last name of Hogg, H-O-G-G. Uh, -G. Mm. He apparently was accused of being a professional actor because he had been interviewed on a beach some, at some point in California uh, over the past summer for some 
local TV show, and it was basically in the uh, media uh, archives somewhere. And this is how Alex Jones jumped to the, that conclusion. And, of course, you know, we have the president uh, just over the weekend demanding that there be an investigation into the investigation. <laughs> I mean, this is so bizarre because he's insisting that the FBI planted somebody in the campaign. Well, the tweet language is most amusing. I hereby command. Command. Lo, let it be heard <laughs> through this unofficial, quasi-official media outlet called Twitter. Right. Hey, Rocky, let me, let me show you how I can pull a rabbit out of my head. Um, it's an increasing sign of desperation, I think, quite clearly, because this is not a power that the president has. Now, of course, this afternoon, Rosenstein, Chris Ray. And another intelligence agency had met with the president at the White House to talk about this. Obviously, Trump is trying to spin the revelation that an FBI informant was told to make contact with the Carter Page and uh, Papadopoulos and uh, Sam Clovis when it became known that, oh, those guys are actually interacting with known Soviet Russian agents. Right. And of Let's course, send a guy to talk to them and see if they realize the extent to which they're being manipulated. Well, precisely. Trump wants to spin that as an embedded mole. An embedded mole. It's it's ridiculous on its face. And then, of course, you know, the the one year anniversary of Mueller uh, came uh, came over and it was fascinating. They They actually reviewed all of the public statements that Mueller has made in one year. And the only thing he said in an entire year are two sentences. And basically he said, I agree to discharge my responsibilities under this uh, request by the Justice Department, and I will do the best I can. He has said nothing. And yet we keep getting this notion, oh, the, 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 this investigation needs to be shut down. It's gone on too long. Uh, well, Rudy the, Giuliani, the lawyer of the century, who looks more and more like Nosferatu every day. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's a vampire uh, sucking blood of who knows who. I hope Ray and uh, and uh, Rosenstein gave Donald Trump a Stormy Daniel spanking. I'm sure she's been on the cover of a magazine recently. Um, that would have been priceless <laughs> uh, to kind of shape him up. But let's remember that Carter Page was actually hired by Donald Trump. Um, this is one of the more interesting facts about the Trump campaign. I read here from Collusion, Secret Meetings, Dirty Money, and How Russia Helped Donald Trump Win by Luke Harding, who uh, is an investigative journalist that works uh, in the British media. Uh, not can't be restrained from reporting the truth. Here's what's interesting. On In March of 2016, Donald Trump met with the Washington Post editorial board. At this point, it seemed likely that Trump would clinch the Republican nomination. Foreign affairs came up. Who were the candidate's foreign policy advisors, they asked. Given Trump's obvious lack of experience in world affairs, this was a pivotal pivotal job. Donald Trump read off five names. The second was Carter Page, Ph.D., 
Well, it turns out, of course, Carter Page was under investigation. He'd been meeting the Russians for years. He apparently, the FBI believed he was actually a Russian spy. It goes a little further. Page's real qualification was what seemed to appeal to Trump. And it was his boundless enthusiasm for Putin and his corresponding loathing, loathing of Obama and Clinton. Page's view of the world was not unlike the Kremlin's. Boiled down, the United States' attempts to spread democracy had brought chaos and disaster. They then go into some of the Russians uh, that Page uh, <clears throat> was meeting from time to time. These included Russian oligarchs, uh, energy barons, uh, spies, <laughs> all sorts of things. Regular people. Now... The FBI went and got a FISA warrant. They went to a judge. This is why when Trump accused Obama of, quote, bugging Trump Tower, I said that he needed to resign because the allegation was on its face absurd and ridiculous. This, this occurred back in March of 2017, uh, low these many months ago. And let's look on the bright side. Donald Trump's presidency is one third over as of yesterday. <laughs> At least one third over. At least one third. Uh, of course, who knows? He may win re-election. But I don't think Trump understands why he's under investigation. It didn't occur to them, to him that he and his team, his, his highly vetted competency, which we've seen on display... Time and time again, uh, it's remarkable. I mean, Giuliani, what's his job? Well, we know what it is. It's called block. He's a blocking back. He's yeah. creating massive distractions. He's having press conferences almost daily with Fox News, making allegations about the special prosecutor, the FBI. Last week, he gave the, uh, the brilliant uh, claim that they can't indict Trump. Since when did Giuliani become a constitutional scholar? That's actually a subject of debate, uh, whether you can indict the president. Richard Nixon was named as an unindicted co-conspirator, but that was after he resigned. <laughs> and he was pardoned. And, of course, the debate about the pardons has come up. As for Michael Cohen, he's another guy. He met with the Russians in Prague. He initially denied it. Just as we saw Trump last week admit that he reimbursed Michael Cohen after denying it. And this relates to the ever ubiquitous Stormy Daniels, who's working on a television show, I'm sure. It's surreal. And uh, Trump doesn't seem to have his facts uh, clear. He fired Comey after it was quite clear that Comey was not going to Go easy on Mike Flynn. And let's remember the sequence of events here, because this is this is crucial. On the 27th of January, Donald Trump was informed by Sally Yates, who at the time was the acting attorney general. Uh, Jeff Sessions had not been approved yet because they wanted his vote. Just in case one of those really qualified candidates like Betsy DeVos... Needed that one extra vote. It is indeed she did. And she did. It turned out to be a 50-50 with Mike Pence 
<clears throat> the, smiling and nodding uh, complacently as he cast the winning vote. Yeah. And, you know, meanwhile, Trump is trying to pull off the, the notion, you know, they had the royal wedding over the weekend. Congratulations to the couple and all that. It's good to have a distraction, but of course the American media's obsession with British royalty is strange in and of itself. But I, it was occurring to me that what what Trump and Kim Jong-un need to do in <laughs> Singapore is get married. Do you take this dictator? Supreme leader. The, by the way, the White House has stamped an official coin. I just saw this today. Uh-oh. An official coin... Uh, commemorating the meeting, which, of course, has yet to occur. And might be canceled. And it, indeed, probably will be canceled. And it's got the two profiles of the two leaders, and it actually says on the coin, Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un. Right. On a United States-minted coin. Now, it's not legal tender currency, but it's bound to be a, a highly prized collectible. <laughs> Goes along with In God We Trust. <laughs> it's, it's almost as good a slogan. <clears throat> and, of course... Trump is envious of being the um, supreme leader. That's what he wants. Yeah. Well, he certainly behaves as though he were. So, yeah, this is uh, this is this gong show uh, must go on. And let's. Well, Giuliani's uh, bold assertion that uh, oh yeah, we have assurances from Mueller that uh, the uh, whole obstruction thing will be wrapped up by September first. Where did he get that information from? <laughs> Mueller has said nothing about it, nor will he, nor, of course, should he, because it's an ongoing matter. And in fact, last week, a couple of new wrinkles got folded in, you know, or at least revealed to sure. those of us outside, you know, anxiously awaiting findings from the special counselor's investigation. But the meeting with the two Gulf state princes. Oh, yeah. And. Prince Don Jr. himself, uh, the weird Qatari Kushner connection. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there, these are new elements that it, it, Trump's tweet boldly proclaims, you know, oh, they couldn't find anything about Russia. So now they're looking at the whole rest of the world. Well, no, you big dummy. Uh, <laughs> these are connected pieces. And the one leads to the other. It's not that, oh, there is no evidence of any Russian involvement. Bizarrely, though, uh, I don't know how many denials there have been uttered by Trump administration uh, personnel and representative spokespeople. Oh, nobody. There were no comments or no connections between conversations between Russians and anybody on the campaign. Right. But the problem, of course, well, of is, course, later. Oh, yeah. Well, there were those and this and this and this and this and this and this. Yeah. And there's 19 indictments and there's yeah. five guilty pleas. <laughs> and we know that Flynn. Papadopoulos and Carter Page all met with Russians, as did Michael Cohen. And Gates. And, of course, uh, Kushner and Don Jr. Uh, we, we learned, of course, that uh, Don Jr. received a, a blocked call during the meeting. <laughs> uh, sp speculation being that that was the Donald himself on the other end of the line. And, of course, the headline on Kushner says it all. Kushner Tower, drowning in debt, gets a lifeline with ties to Qatar. Pompeo, by the way, on a recent Middle East uh, Greatest Hits tour, where he visited Bibi Netanyahu yet again. Uh, two days later, Bibi came out with his PowerPoint presentation uh, with old information from from warehouses unknown of documents 
procured by Israeli intelligence. Uh, Pompeo did go to uh, some of the uh, Gulf states. He told the Saudis and Qatar and the UAE to patch up their differences. So, yeah, these connections with uh, Trump in the Middle East. Now there is there's some new uh, interesting allegations about China and Indonesia. China, a Trump investment uh, property in Indonesia. And yeah, these are all, of course, not properties that Trump actually owns. He's got his name on the building. <laughs> How funny to to see a couple of months ago his name being jackhammered off a building in in Panama with the owners declaring he's bad for business. <laughs> That is that's what it's all about. As the comedian a couple of weeks ago said, Trump has tried to sell everything. Water, vodka, steaks. Eric. <laughs> Access. She was a, a, accused of going a little rough on the Supreme Leader. <laughs> Donald J. Trump. Yeah, it's it's surreal. And by the way, I, I highly recommend the Paul Krugman uh column from the 18th of May on that very subject about these connections, what this is really all about, and uh, kind of gives us a little bit of an explanation for um, why Trump suddenly had this reversal on ZTE right. Corporation. And of course, how bizarre that Mnuchin would announce yesterday that the trade war is on hold. <laughs> it's like, what kind of an announcement is that? Uh, it, it's 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 surreal, you know. They they said, well, we we're, we're throwing around this number of two hundred billion dollars, and I don't know the the uh, uh, the Chinese government have have made a verbal agreement. Larry Kudlow calls it a framework, <laughs> like a framework. Of They're what? making it up as they go along. They, there is no long term policy goal no. agenda uh, for Trump. It's all about. Covering himself. Keeping the headlines changing. Keeping the yeah. story a-moving. And, by the way, he has officially declared about seven to ten completely different things to be worse than Watergate over the last seven or eight months. So this recent one is just that, the most recent. Worse than Watergate. Yeah. Well, it's, it's bad enough. <laughs> we'll eventually find out. I don't know if Scott Pruitt will be around to figure that out, but we'll talk about him next week. Uh, we are pretty much out of time here on uh, uh, Gray Matters. Uh, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Yazoo City Calling coming up next with a substitute. Yep. Stay tuned. Coming up. Uh, Galad, right? In just a moment. Yes, it's Galad substituting. We're actually going out of the studio tonight. So do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling up next.